0: Welcome to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This is episode 131. We are welcoming Colby Lang to the show. Uh, Colby is a bike racer from the United States, specialized currently in track racing, and we have an absolutely awesome conversation with Colby here. Uh, As Tyler mentions, he met Colby when he was only 11 years old, so he's been um, a mentor to Colby for a number of years, and they've known each other for quite a long time, which is really cool. We caught up with Colby. He's in Europe racing. He's in Switzerland right now. I'm not going to spoil anything, but this is an incredible episode. Uh, Colby's an incredibly brave young man, wise way beyond his years, and discusses uh, a pretty serious battle with mental health that he is currently winning, and that is a really cool and inspiring piece of his story, and uh, we really appreciate him coming on to share it. So Thank you, Colby, for doing that moving conversation. We hope that you guys really enjoy it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company, as always. So I've told you before, Tyler and I have both been riding their off-road division gravel bikes for a couple of years now. They're absolutely incredible, especially for the value. They're uh, just an absolute leader. They're also a super, super fun follow on social media. So they do a whole bunch of really cool media stuff and just really engage with the community. They are definitely some of the good guys in the bicycling industry. So check them out at State bicycle.com and also by wheel science you can visit wheel science at wheelscience.com and if you use code adventure audio you can get 10 percent off a pair of carbon fiber racing wheels for whatever kind of bike it is that you have so regardless of the discipline of cycling that you're into they're going to have something for you use code adventure audio at wheelscience.com on to Colby Lane
1: uh, well Colby you know thanks for coming on I think I met you when you were like 11, 11 or twelve. I think it was there at the base of Vale. Jason, my our mutual friend Jason Russell introduced us. Your dad, mom, and dad as well. You're a, yeah. You were a full time ski racer back then, but you had uh, you were uh, you had a little bit of an eye on cycling. And and uh, I think we started kind of working together when you were maybe twelve. And yeah, and the rest is history. You climbed the ranks really fast. It's been You've had a few bumps over the last couple of years, but it's been awesome to see you staying focused and, and and working your tail off. And here you are today. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on the, on our uh, on our podcast. And you know, I heard you on John Croom's podcast, and I was just that was what probably nine ten months ago. And it,
2: yeah, about a year,
1: yeah, a year ago, yeah. And it was just yeah, I was really really proud to hear how well you're doing, Colby. And yeah, it's been uh, awesome to see your your journey. But yeah, I mean, let's I'd like if you have a second, it'd be great to hear about kind of where you grew up and how how cycling got got into your vortex.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny you bring up uh, meeting at the bottom of Vail because that actually probably changed my life, right? I, I don't know if I would be a cyclist had I not met you. But yes, yeah, so I grew up born and raised in Vail, Colorado, and that's like uh that area especially is sort of the ski mecca in the u.s and my dad's a ski coach and so from the time i can remember that that's what i was going to be you know i mean i was dead set on being an olympic skier and yeah i was surrounded by the best in the world all the time i thought it was the coolest thing ever and it's the only thing i could focus on and so yeah from the time i was walking i was skiing and then pretty soon after that i was super fortunate enough to sort of hook around the world with my dad like skiing in places like Europe and Chile and New Zealand and stuff and I'm, I'm just this little fella and getting to soak everything in and it, it was it was great in the meantime I was always I always liked bicycles and like riding and was kind of using it as training um, and when you and I first w- started working together that's pretty much what it was I like to race but uh, like the first year I worked with you, I didn't race at all. It was, it was just literally to to be fit and to get ready for skiing. But soon after that, as as I got more and more sort of enveloped in cycling and everything else to offer, and uh, as I also sort of uh, wore myself out on skiing, so to say, all of a sudden, when I graduated high school and I kind of had two roads to go down, um, it ended up being a really easy decision. all these all these doors were open cycling and uh, it quickly become my passion and it was, it was what got me stoked to get out of bed and uh, I get started so getting these tastes of like really high level racing and then uh, then I so like uh, there's
0: been no going back since then. And did you, were you attracted to one discipline of cycling in particular over another? Because in Colorado, you're exposed to everything, right? Yeah,
2: totally. Um, I think from the beginning, road cycling was my favorite. I, obviously, Every Kid Mountain Bikes, and and I enjoyed that too. But uh, I was pretty successfully road riding alongside skiing. And like one year, I ended up being national champion road cycling as I was, uh, as I didn't identify as a ski racer at all. I was just, uh, doing it cause it, I had time, but, um, and so I, I liked the road and then for one reason or another, that didn't really work out. And then my dad came up with the idea of riding the track cause it would be a fun way to stay involved in cycling. It'd be sort of new and cool. And, uh, yeah sort of an adventure right like we didn't really know much about it it also probably be better training for skiing and did that for a little bit and one fell in love from the very first session uh like training in erie near boulder and then uh that's really where i got noticed as a cyclist i would say and then uh doors started opening from there and then uh so especially the beginning of my sort of full-time cycling career i was is really
1: really focused on the track. Uh, can you go back real quick and tell us about like where were you at skiing when you had decide had to really decide between skiing and cycling. Where was yeah. you at that time? I think I mean you're pretty humble, Colby. You've always been humble, but you were one of the best in the world at for your age, correct? <laughs> I was a stud. I was so yeah. cool.
2: Um no uh I I was good. And, um, my last year skiing was my best year ever. Uh, I was accomplishing the majority of the goals I had set for myself. I was ranked second in the world for, for my age and first in the nation and I'd been national champion before. And, uh, I also qualified for the national team that year, but, um, I guess in hindsight, what was sort of foreshadowing of Mental states I would be in in my adult life. Uh, I'd really, I'd made skiing a pretty miserable thing, and so, uh, despite like doing well, like I'm saying, uh, accomplishing my goals, I was, I was never ever happy. I was sometimes relieved if I did well, and bummed out, like really bummed out if I, if I didn't, and had built a ton of animosity into the situation and a lot of stress and was never ever able to enjoy it like even for people that ski they know like how liberating and how cool of a sport it can be it's really such a cool sport um and i at least used to love it with all my heart and even in the action of doing it i i felt pretty much exclusively threat (laughs) and so obviously terrible way to live and so i think i'm super fortunate that right when that was had accumulated to a point that I was really uncomfortable Um, cycling basically offered this relief and this other pathway that especially at that time had none of the same uh, stressors to it for me and yeah I'm super lucky because had that not happened I don't know if I'd still be in sport Um, and that's what I love I I love being an athlete Uh, yeah it 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 could have gone both ways. I think. I think I was on a good track in either sport. Had my mindset been right, but uh, I was getting told by one force or another that skiing wasn't going to be for me.
0: Do you think that it was directly related to to pressure, both from yourself and external, and and then and then did that shift gradually to cycling as you started to gain results? Because yeah. Like- was um, It was a lower expectation, right? Like it felt like the stakes were probably lower because you hadn't been, you know, like ranked the way that you were in skiing. People didn't know you the same way.
2: Totally. Yeah, I like the word expectations. I think that's super important. And that's actually, I think, one of the key factors in being miserable <laughs> is having uh, sort of inappropriate expectations. Uh, so I think, yeah, it probably was a mix of that. I I knew so much about skiing, like I had been fully enveloped in ski racing from the time I remembered and I also uh, enjoyed sort of the analytical and the like the process of it. And so I I was always really in tune with sort of trajectories of things and, and where I expected to be and and that sort of if then mindset, which I think ends up being so destructive, like oh, if, if I ski this well or if I get this result at, at junior championships, then, then I can go to nationals, etc. cetera. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. That probably did eventually catch up to me in cycling. Um, and I ended up learning that lesson again. We can talk more about that. Uh, but yeah, I think the expectation lesson is one that, probably everybody learns a few times, but I think uh, while they've been painful lessons, I think uh, are probably the most important that I've had, especially in a sort of sporting context. So uh, I cherish what ended up being these, these really miserable times in hindsight.
1: So what year was it that you made the decision to switch over, Colby?
2: uh it's 2017 like may of 2017 i just graduated high school um went to a usa cycling track camp and then then all of a sudden i wasn't planning on on going to ski camp and and from that point i never looked back and then so yeah i've been cycling full time uh yeah i guess a little over five years now like five five and a yeah. half
1: yeah yeah and then you pretty much committed to racing like full time on the track. You were, you know, going for the Olympics in twenty twenty with the uh, for team pursuit. Unfortunately, that that didn't work out. But I think that's still on the docket for what twenty
2: twenty four. Yeah. Um, good, yeah. Good. It, it, was, it was a really cool program, um, and I, I was young and and wide eyed and sure. uh, having to learn all this stuff too. But um, specifically. The team pursuit program will, will be like made relationships in that sort of era that like I'll cherish forever. And uh, team pursuit is a discipline, super cool. But yeah, you're right. I'm I'm, I'm racing the road and and want to progress in that side of my career, uh, and of course hope to race at the highest possible level there too. But uh, for the time being, yeah, I'm also focused on the track. Um, and with with the 2024 Olympics being uh, the sort of the overarching thing there.
1: That's great. Are you so you guys have some uh, like training camps planned for the next? This next year?
2: Yeah, um, I. I think that the the track program itself is having camps and has had camps throughout the summer. I, I unfortunately haven't been able to participate because I've been hurt, but um, I'm not sure exactly when uh, the stars will align and it will make sense for me to sort of re in that program. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the key races next year, there's, there's actually not very many key races in track, which is, uh, which is a good and bad thing, but basically there's one in February, one in April, March, one in April, and then world championships will be in August. And so, Prior leading up to those types of events, there's always yeah maybe ten days, two weeks we're in in a camp setting and uh, yeah i I assume that's how we'll work again, but uh, yeah. i haven't I haven't thought so far ahead at, at this moment
1: and as far as you know, is that crew of uh, pursuers are they all in for the most part?
2: yeah, it's a new it's a new group of guys compared to what it was the first go round um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think in some ways uh, because I mean I guess to speak bluntly the the first go around it sort of it was going really well Um, and it it all sort of crashed and burned and as a result there's from athlete perspective like a a lot of new a lot of new faces like a lot of guys that are uh, yeah I think just super excited right and because um, it's a little bit novel, and and they they have they're really eager to just sort of experience that whole process. And so uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys fully committed, and um, I've learned the first time that it's it's a hard process, right? Like to qualify for Olympics is is tough as it should be, and that's one of the reasons why it's cool because you have to do so many things right for it to work out. Um, and I actually enjoy that part, like. I think somehow, if it does end up working out, it will be more meaningful knowing that we really had to execute close to our absolute maximum ability to make it happen. Whereas, uh, yeah, if it was another situation and, and qualifying in the first place was easy, then then I don't think that would mean as much, if that yeah. makes sense.
1: Colby, will you, just for the listeners, will you explain what the team pursuit is?
2: Team pursuit is, uh, Mm -hmm. the coolest event in cycling. (laughs) That's all they need to know, Um, uh, yeah, it is really hard. It, It is really cool though. Um, it's four kilometers, uh, and teams of four start from a stop and, uh, obviously start at the same time and basically, uh, in road terms, just do a pace line and try and cover the four kilometers as fast as they can and it's really really fast once you're up to speed after the standing start your cruising speed is sort of right around 70k an hour for the for the world record speed and um, there's tons of forces and uh, it sees maximal effort and it it feels like you're flying and when you nail a team pursuit and the group is in sync and uh things are clicking it it really it feels like you're almost one organism in a way and uh it's really so fulfilling it's such a cool cool event to execute when it goes well
0: and how long will everybody spend in the front position in that during Uh, that kilometers
2: uh it varies a lot um and poll schedules as you can call it uh are getting more and more creative but typically uh for the majority of guys it will be about a kilometer on the front so about a fourth of the race uh spread out over two or three poles um but you see some some wild stuff traditionally like back in uh only a few years ago is really common for guys to take uh four poles each now some teams are taking one pole each, so they just do a kilometer at a time, um, and that's one of the really cool parts. Uh, right. To be creative and maximizing four different guys and their physiology and their fitness on the day is is probably the hardest part, and one of the reasons why it's so cool when it when you get it right. But as a consequence, it can also it can go dramatically wrong, and guys are blown up all over the track, and. Uh, <laughs> And I actually, as someone, I mean, I'm biased. Thirds team pursuit, but some of the best TV from the Olympics was was watching the men's team pursuit in in Tokyo. That was it's it, that shows kind of what it's about, and it it is a really cool spectacle. I think.
0: Oh, it's yeah. a TV sport. It is, and yeah. these are like what you, you probably don't know. An average, but they're incredibly close races, right? Like, what's a typical oh, yeah. win by? It's 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 you know and, these yeah. guns, right?
2: tenths yeah for sure I think I mean uh for sure there's been races decided by hundreds um which oh it's painful to lose by (laughs) because I mean try and take a stopwatch on your phone and make it less than two tenths like it's almost impossible uh so to lose by a fourth of that or even a 20th of that is like uh, there's a special type of sting to that but yeah they're really close races and Uh, That's why these nations spend tons of money on on development of equipment and aerodynamic positions and pulse schedules and maximizing these physiologies because it's a little bit strange. Like, the majority of cycling events uh, at least are sort of framed by hours and hours of racing where a team pursuit specifically you can get sort of different types of riders, um, because it is only four minutes and you, you're, you're totally fresh going into it. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's cool in that way. You, you sometimes get these guys that are nearly a hundred kilos and like really big and sprint oriented, which you'd never see on the road. Right.
0: Right. And just for the gear junkies out there, what, uh, what size is your chainring on on back bike? Uh, I for
2: a team Pursuit, I'll, I'll typically run like a, a sixty-five or a sixty-six. Um some guys are up to a 70. I think it's only limited by by the chain stay, right? Guys will go as big as as before it starts to rub, um, which it's a cool aesthetic, if you ask me. I really like the big chain rings. Yeah, it's
0: like a dinner plate up there. That's crazy. Oh, no,
2: totally. And the and the double discs and I mean there's no there's no breaks or no uh shifting or anything like that and despite that they they're i mean some of these bikes are worth 50 grand so the amount of technology to to justify a price tag like that with so few actual parts is they're really cool especially in person they they look like spaceships
0: yeah good
1: point well i'm hoping that you guys can pull it off for 2024.
2: yeah cheers i i mean um i think uh, and we can get into this if you want, but I, I, I at least personally, have a, a lot different perspective heading into this uh, qualification cycle, um, which I think will make it really rewarding. So um, I'm really excited to to really give it a crack. But um, yeah. I've also learned I, I know what it feels like to not make it, um, and I think that's a, a valuable I think that's a valuable experience to have actually.
1: I would say you've grown a lot since the, you know <clears throat> the last attempt at the Olympics. Do you want to talk? No, do you want to share a little bit about that? You've had injuries. You've been sick a little bit. You know, yeah, you've yeah, been. Just, yeah. you have a lot been a, of. You're been tough. A tough few
2: years, uh, especially. I mean, gosh, for everyone, right? Um, but my specific story, qualifying for the Olympics, is going really well. Um, in in twenty twenty. Only eight teams actually got to compete at the Olympics and so uh, it's a really high standard just to make it. We were currently in fifth halfway through or not fifth sorry seventh halfway through the qualification cycle and then I had a a bad crash and and broke two vertebrae in my back one in my neck Um, and by the time uh by the time I was sort of fit and healthy and ready to race again uh the we'd missed it we'd missed it only been a couple months we only raced two more times and it happened really quick all of a sudden we were like doing well and in seventh and had a little bit of margin to far enough off the back that uh no reasonable expectations would have had us qualifying and so then then It was plan B, right? And I was going to focus on the roads for a couple of years until the next Olympic qualification cycle started again. And then, of course, COVID happened. Uh, I, despite that, was really, really, really fortunate to end up on this team called Hagen Sperm in Action. Um, And road road people will know about it. Um, I think uh especially if you look at the entire history of it it's almost undoubtedly the the premier development team in in cycling and so despite sort of i mean no one really was up to much racing in 2020 but despite not racing i i got this incredible opportunity to race from there and race there and uh in in some ways, that probably ended up being the worst possible thing that could have happened to me for my happiness, at least in the short term, but uh, from from a little bit wider perspective and having come out the other side now, that it, it was an incredible this experience. And basically, what ended up happening is a, a little bit similar to what I experienced in skiing, except for multiples and multiples worse. Um, uh, and the result of that was, uh, basically, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if there's like, uh, like a easier way to describe, but like, I, I hated myself, um, in my core and, um, I developed a really bad eating disorder. Uh, most cyclists have a, a eating disorder, did not eat a lot. I. I had the opposite. So I was binge eating, I put on 40 pounds. Um, and yeah, I woke up in the morning and I knew with every bone in my body that I was a piece of garbage and uh, deserved every morsel of suffering that that I had basically made up for myself in my head. Uh, and it, it, it was waves of that. And then eventually it got to a really, really extreme point where um, there wasn't a moment in the day where uh, I couldn't tell myself how how trashy I was. and uh, and that took so much energy out of me that eventually I wasn't getting out of bed. Um, at the worst of the time, I was at my apartment in Girona and um, literally just just glued to glued to my mattress, except for to go roam around Girona, going from shop to shop, uh, eating eating enough until I felt like I throw up. Rebound for a little bit and then head to the next bakery ten feet down the road. <laughs> um, and of course, like getting so overweight and I wasn't training or anything. Like now, now I'm not racing and uh, and I'm I'm I feel really bad. I feel super guilty towards the team. Like I, I've had this incredible opportunity, right? And and being on action is, is such a cool situation. And uh, I'm I'm just wasting it. And I'm I'm telling myself every moment, like how bad that is. Uh, to the point where had it last lasted longer, I think. Um, I would have been in a fair amount of danger from a from a health perspective and like safety perspective. Thankfully. Uh, and I was working really hard on, through that period and, and you Tyler actually were um, really great. And we were out speaking often and um, I was getting perspective from people like you and, and psychologists and my, my parents were really good. And I had some teammates and I was getting all the best perspective in the world and, and uh, despite that, couldn't overcome anything. Um, and eventually for me, what ended up being uh, sort of my savior was, was medication. Um and so I started antidepressants and really soon after that my my life changed 180. Um and once it, it takes a little bit of time, but once uh once the sky is sort of clear, it ended up being really good because despite all that suffering in that time you're working so hard just to just to find something that made you worth anything to this world right um and then so yeah the clouds clear and then all of a sudden you you realize like oh like no like you're actually like you're a friendly guy and i I could actually believe that in my heart and feel good about that like oh you're, you're pretty considerate to others um and then it just had like actually like a list of things that i could feel good about um and then uh that also helped me manage my eating and then so I'm not feeling just totally helpless and out of control and <laughs> worry that I'm I'm gonna die because I'm I'm gaining weight so rapidly uh just for context the 40 pounds I gained that, that was literally in in a few weeks like it was is impressive feat <laughs> but um from that experience I I have all this perspective that uh now is making me the happiest I've ever been right like I was on the premier team in the world I had the best possible opportunity anyone could have my age uh I I had all the resource in the world I had the world in front of me I had people supporting me I had people that believed in me and I was just fully miserable (laughs) um and so yeah, I mean that tells you that uh, that's not that's not that's not it, right? Like that's not right. what's going to make you happy. And and taking that next step, it, it'd be the same. If I ended up, if I had soon after ended up on a world tour team and and didn't feel like I belonged, it would have been equally as miserable and equally as uh, painful and and a waste of time. And I've I've come out of that experience basically knowing that. If I'm comfortable or anyone is comfortable in their own skin then then they're absolutely winning despite what they're doing and so uh, now that that thought is is so freeing right because at the end of the day like cycling is really cool and it's my passion and I love it but uh, it's not it's not like this incredibly virtuous thing, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, in some ways, it's a bit selfish. Um, just because you have to work so hard as an individual to be good at it, you you, you sacrifice a lot. Um, we're not we're not nurses like saving people's lives or something like this. And so, the way it, it can be really fulfilling and, and virtuous and something that's good for you and the people around you is if that's what fulfills you, you know, what I mean, and that's what you love and and then from that you can you can be the best person you can be and you can and you can create these relationships that, that are fulfilling and meaningful to the people around you and, and make a difference and you can you can learn so much from the opportunities that you have and, and being exposed to these tons of different people and places and experiences. Like that's incredibly valuable. And if you're in a place where you can open your eyes and and realize like that's the great part of our sport then then it's so cool then it's so cool and it then it also it just happens to be in my opinion the very best way to perform well right because at, at that moment now you're excited to get out of bed every day now you're excited to do this work and and it, the performance almost becomes a side effect of of the cool part of cycling which is yeah, these incredible connections that
0: we're exposed to. Um, we, so like, now- we tend to think of, like, happiness as this, like, abstract concept, right? And then, but you can't, like, how did you realize that that wasn't it, right? Like, that there's no amount of winning that's going to make this better, right? Like, that it, this is, at some point, um, like, this is a matter of what's happening inside my brain right like there's like my happiness is actually controlled by by a whole bunch of chemicals right yeah yeah, so and we can try and control and we can get little doses of that with meditating or spending time with family or being outdoors and we can do that but like at what point were were you able to separate that because it's a really hard thing to do i can imagine to be in that place and then to know that there's like a there's a scientific way out. There isn't that it's not like this impossible concept that you're supposed to try and understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. The way? Yeah. Yeah. It?
2: No. Totally. Totally. Um, throughout my life, I have had a few aha moments that that then you can live in in clarity for for a bit after that. Um, one cool one uh, that was in another bad or like a sort of dip in my life, like a taste of what would eventually uh sort of gain momentum into into full-blown depression but we're in New Zealand with the track team and it is so beautiful down there and the tracks awesome and I'm doing team pursuit which I'm supposed to love and I'm I'm with these people that I love and I'm on the massage table and uh like I'm I'm looking out and it is just like incredibly beautiful and there is these birds I've never seen and these trees I've never seen and there's all this unique uh life down there and I'm just pissed off like just so bummed Uh, and like in that moment like I'm actually living the dream right now and it's not working and so from there at least you have you have the wrong answer right and so you can begin to search for what is actually fulfilling to you and um uh at, at the worst of times it's really scary because in my case I felt absolutely out of control and I, I saw no way how I'd I'd feel happy again um and that, that's when you start to lose hope uh and like things get scary um but having having this release and sort of realize that at the end of the day it is uh regardless of if you're on medication or not it is a bit of a a chemistry project at the end of the day and so knowing that there is a way to help you with that then then that sort of uh that that takes a lot of load off your shoulders or at least it did for me realizing that um yeah I, I wasn't crazy and anyone that's miserable like they're they're not crazy they're not out of control they're not they're not just weak in the mind or or soft or have no willpower in the case of food or something like this like it's uh there's solutions Uh, there's absolutely solutions and um and it takes work and it it sucks and it's miserable during it but i i really believe that there you can you can find a way out and it just takes looking and it's painful but uh the the solutions out there
0: you sound like somebody who is um, committed to having this be something that you just do and talk about and help people with. And which is a whole, that's a whole nother level. There's one thing to have the bravery to go out and talk about your own circumstances to the people that are close to you, like Tyler and your parents and coaches. And it sounds like you got a lot of external support, which is amazing, but um, you sound like you're going to take it to a whole nother level than that, that you want this to be sort of um, just part of who you are going forward.
2: Yeah, I think one—it's it, way more common than people realize. Um, I think—I uh, mean, especially recently with with the COVID restrictions and stuff—I think it was uh, basically rampant, and everyone in some way or another got a got a dose of, of what that's like. But um, I've never heard someone talk about depression or their battles and and their experience with it. Um, regardless of the sort of outcome, and, and not have that feel good to me, you know, what I mean, and to, to connect with them on, on this really, like, it's quite intimate, even if you don't know the person person, if you don't know the person personally. Um, it's a, it's a deep connection that so many people share. And so, uh, I think, like, at first, I was, I was a little bit worried about the stigma, and I was worried about people, what they thought about me, or what well, they thought about me taking medication, or if this would, uh, you know, th- 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 stunt my chances to be on a team because I was labeled like a kook or or weak-minded or something like this. But um, if it, any 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 negative result like that uh, is so shallow that I wouldn't want to be in that situation anyway. You know, what I mean, it it'd be a bad place. So um i think talking about this uh from a good mindset from a bad mindset is i I don't know I i find it therapeutic for myself i find it therapeutic to hear other people talk about it and so uh if that's something that can add value even if it's to like a little bit to one person then then you never know what that ends up uh ends up doing for the world you know what i mean
1: Thanks, thanks for sharing that Colby.
2: Yeah, yeah, cheers. I think I think, uh, I think it, it, it's it's important for people to. To hear that kind of stuff and, um, and especially for anyone that's struggling in the moment or has in the past or or will in the future, like. I think to hear from people that have experienced it that. Like it, it does get better. I think that that's powerful because. Uh, yeah, I, at least in in my worst moment, like it it really feels helpless, fully, fully helpless. And so uh, that actually isn't the case, um, despite how bad it gets. So I think that's a comforting a comforting thought, and it i I believe it to be absolutely true.
1: It's impressive you've learned all this at such a young age, you know you know for a lot of people it takes you know myself and it took me a lot longer than. How old are you now, Colby? Twenty? Twenty-three.
2: Twenty-three, yeah.
1: 23, yeah. Oh, like, good good for middle. you, yeah. You, you have a lot of wisdom, Colby. <laughs> yeah, you do.
2: Yeah, cheers, thanks. Cheers. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: I think it's, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a lesson that I can keep on the forefront. You know, sometimes it, it's, sometimes that's the worst, right? When you when you know something in theory and, and can't actually exist in that mindset. Um, that can be a really difficult situation, but uh, I think, yeah, just steady, steady focus on 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 what's real and what and what actually is important goes a long, long way.
1: And so I feel like
2: I I have a, at least an idea of where to head in those situations.
1: So what are some of the practices- So now you're kind of-
0: oh. sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Pete. Sorry, well, I was just going to ask you what are some now of you're
1: the- kind of on. Oh, <laughs>
0: okay. going to ask you what what are some of the practical things that you do now as sort of a daily practice to to just help keep yourself on the rails a little bit like those are the types of things that we definitely try and share with people or glean ourselves from people that we get to talk to because like i'm not too proud to steal good little ideas to keep my head right (laughs)
2: yeah yeah um i'm a smart guy so everything i'm about to say is super valuable too um (laughs) but uh no i think i think there's there's yeah there's a few things that i find myself one way or another using every day, right? Like one um, is is as simply reminding myself like what is important. Anytime I get stressed about like a selection for a race or the result of a race or how training went or, or even like this n- more normal life things like stressed out about whatever logistics for getting something done, et cetera. Um, like reminding myself like how insignificant that is despite what it could possibly be getting becoming going to the world championships or something the big picture that's uh ins- insignificant to actually being happy um two is is really paying attention to what you're doing in the morning or in in the moment um i think uh if you If you're able to take a step back and actually experience uh, any any situation including any bad emotions, good emotions, if you if you can really feel that and and accept it for what it is that that becomes something that like you almost end up cherishing sort of like negative, positive, all these emotions because you feel somehow more alive that way um, and two or three, another really good one is affirmations, right? Like um whether that's about yourself, telling yourself why you are important and, and good and and valuable is really helpful. And then also positive affirmations of what you are capable of and and why things are, are going well in any situation. I think um as much as you need to repeat it, I think um it's really valuable. I, I've done four and five and six hour rides. Literally repeating a single phrase over and 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 it's it's kind of boring, right? And it you you feel I don't know it feels a bit fake, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you wake up and realize, and you actually feel these thoughts like in your core, and
0: that that's really really cool. I think exactly like we can't compartmentalize things. Right. So if you consume negative news in the morning and then you move on to the next task, you like you're actually less capable of separating those two things than you think that you are. Right. You can't influence that where we are what we are. We've evolved the way that we have. Right. So you're not better than anybody else. That's it's very important to keep that little ecosystem, you know, safe for what you need it to do.
2: Totally. Totally. Also, this is I, I think people or at least for me, it took me a long time to realize this, but just calling or hanging out with someone that like means a lot and makes you feel good, that, that changes, that undoubtedly and invariably will make me feel good the rest of the day, <laughs> pretty much despite what's happened. Um, and so we have these resources and people wanna help each other. And it's so easy to feel alone, uh, in, in your suffering, despite how significant or insignificant it may be, but it's, it's not the case at all. And so, yeah, uh, reach out, uh, people, there's someone that will help you feel good today, uh,
1: pretty much uh, invariably. That's great, Colby, right? I mean, when you're miserable, isolation is the worst. It's the oh, yeah. worst.
2: And it's your instinct too, which is, which is too bad, but um, you're right, it's absolutely the worst
1: so in a way you're almost like on this comeback trail now right yeah
2: yeah i feel good um uh, mentally i'm i'm easily the best place i've been uh from a big picture sort of sustained spot um and yeah like i said i've been injured and so i haven't raced in a while but uh i'm more confident today that that i'm capable of sort of overcoming any challenge that might come my way than i than i've ever been and so Uh, of course, I hope that the result of that is me, uh, ascending to a really high level of cycling and being able to enjoy that part of the sport. But, um, I'm really fortunate that that isn't a threat to me. If my, if this is as good as it gets, so to speak, from a cycling perspective, then, then in no way have I, uh. Have I failed, you know what I mean? Oh, that's another really important one. Sorry to take a step back. No, Feeling good. bad does not mean that you failed at something. Um, that's another really important one for me. If I, if you do like get agitated or feel bummed about something like you're not failing, you're not soft, you're not doing something wrong, like that's okay. Like be nice to yourself, that's that's normal. So don't, don't need to add on to that.
1: I think Michael Phelps said, uh... He suffers with some depression and he said, uh, it's okay to, to not feel okay, yeah. Yeah, totally, I do not agree anymore. Um, so that's great. So in, you said Monday's your first race back since you, you had an accident in April, was it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's April, end of April. Um, I've had four surgeries since. I have another one coming up.
1: Can you remind um, us what happened?
2: Uh, well, the crash itself was was a little silly. Um, I still to this day don't know uh, what happened to cause the crash. I actually rode by there today and it's a bit of a mystery, but the result was both hands off the bars, laying on the handlebars, clearly out of control, and and ran into a fence, uh, like some steel poles. Uh, As a consequence, yeah, ambulance to the hospital, emergency surgery on my hand, they operated on my leg to fly home. Another surgery on my hand with with five screws and five pins, and then demobilized for three months, and then surgery to get most of it out, and started PT, and, uh, and now like range of motion is terrible, and and it it, it has uh, a long way to come, but it's at the it's at a point where like I'm safe to race, and uh, I'm to that moment now, and I've been able to train train well for the last probably four weeks or so, and um, yeah, now I'm ready to go. The great thing about the track is there's a lot of racing over the winter. So, um, I I'll get to sort of get stuck in these next few months and then I'll also be racing on the road next year. And, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel confident about the whole thing.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for coming on to share this story with us. I'm, uh, charged up. Like when you talk about mental health hacks, like, Tyler and I love recording this podcast in the morning because, like, when we have a conversation like this, we're just, you know, you're on an upward trajectory for this. Yeah, yeah, nice,
2: nice,
0: so nice. We're very fortunate to have people like you on.
2: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. It's fun. Um, I, uh, I hope people got something out of it. Um uh and if not like the most important thing is that team pursuit is awesome so <laughs> forget forget <laughs> what we, the other things we talked about like go watch the olympic final <laughs> that was sick
0: for uh, sure. sure so where can people follow along with you and find you
2: uh i have instagram colby lang except for uh the zero or the o is a zero right um i'm not big on social media to be honest uh kind of as a consequence of when I was feeling down, I didn't feel like social media was great for me, but um, I'm super, if anyone reaches out or wants to talk, like uh, feel free to, uh, you can DM me or there's other ways to contact me, I, especially about this kind of stuff. I, I, I am excited to talk to people about it and, and offer any any small thing if it makes a difference. So um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully on TV, hopefully that's where people can follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, Colby, you're making a big difference, big difference. So keep it up, keep it up. I'm really proud of you. Super yeah, proud of you. It. It and great. I'll never forget when I heard your voice when you came out the other side. I'm like, oh, he's back, he's back. Yeah, great. yeah, it's awesome. Nice. But, nice.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, and thank you, and thank you for helping me through that process. You're, you're a big deal in that, and, um, yeah. So hopefully, I can, I can be the same to someone else like you were to me.
1: Oh. hey well good luck over in europe you you race in on monday you said in leon
2: uh yeah saturday sunday points saturday. race in, oh. the, in the omnium um oh. and then i'll do some more races here around europe the the rest of the fall uh so yeah i'll, I'll keep people up to date um super excited i'm
0: ready to go good good thanks again everybody for listening we hope you found that conversation uh, as powerful and inspiring as we did if you are able to like the podcast and give us a positive rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're finding it uh, that is impactful for us and helps us find new listeners as well as subscribing to the show we have also started publishing all of the uh, video content of our podcasts on our YouTube channel, which is adventure audio podcast. So you can find us on YouTube. So if you are more visually inclined and you'd like to see us and you have the time to have that play rather than if you're listening into the car or whatever, we wanted to give you that option. So check us out on YouTube as well. You can find us there. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week.